Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 14. Philippians 4, verses 10 through 14, Paul says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my affliction. Now sometimes happiness can be like a piñata. All you have to do is hit that thing, right? And all the candy will fall out and you'll be happy. But you're blindfolded for one thing. And then, like in the old time maybe, somebody's pulling on that rope. And every time you swing and get close, you miss it. You miss it. You cannot find happiness. Happiness seems to be so elusive. So out of our grasp. This week, you've probably had many disappointments. Maybe you've had things to happen to you or to your family that have caused you to lose happiness, to lose joy. Your circumstances may be difficult right now, and maybe even now you don't feel like you're all here. Your mind is somewhere else. Your mind is what needs to be addressed Monday morning. Your mind is on the financial problems that are going on, or your family issues. What if I told you I had found something that could give you great joy? What if I told you I would found something that could totally change your life? What if I told you I'd found the key to unlock the door of true and lasting joy? That's what our world is looking for. Joy, right? Some strive for riches thinking that's the key. Some strive for great achievements. They think they'll find fulfillment in that. Still others try to find their ultimate joy in other people. Spouses or children or family or friends. People are looking for joy that will last, but they can't find it. Right? They've found riches. They've achieved great things. They, they've found uh, great relationships. And yet they're still looking. They're still singing with you too. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Still searching. So maybe that's you. Maybe you're looking for joy and you haven't quite found it. Even we who are Christians lack joy sometimes. Even we struggle with this. But if you take this scripture to heart, if you plant this seed of God's word deep in your heart, then it will change you forever. See, there's something here that we haven't quite realized yet if we are still struggling with joy. It's the secret to having full and lasting joy. It's the secret to finding contentment. No matter what goes on in our life, no matter what circumstance we're in. And this is the secret. A true and lasting joy is only found when you begin to understand 
that God is sovereign and that He is good. A true and lasting joy is only found when you begin to understand that God is sovereign and that He is good. So to know that God is sovereign means to know that He, he is in control. That He is uh, ordering our paths. That nothing can happen to us by chance. That He is the one that ordains everything that comes to pass in this world and in our lives. To know that God is good means that you know everything He is doing is for the good of His people and for His own glory. As Romans 8.28 says, we know that God works all things together for good for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. So the secret to contentment is found in this. Knowing that God is working all things together for the good of His people. And for His own glory. If we get this. If we get this truth. Down in our hearts. Then nothing will be able to shake our joy. No circumstance. No trial. No sickness. No pain. We will have joy in the midst of any circumstance. So our context here in our passage. Paul has received a gift from the Philippians. From Epaphroditus. And he is rejoicing in that gift. He's glad that they gave it to him. But he also wants them to understand that, that he is content. That he, he is not really in need. That he has everything that he needs. And here's what he gets to. He takes this opportunity to teach them about contentment. And here's the point. In any and every circumstance, I must depend upon Christ and the strength that he provides. In any circumstance, I must depend on Christ and the strength he gives. So from these few verses this morning, I want us to see four truths about contentment. These aren't just facts that we can learn and get in our minds. These, these are things that will help us to become more content. These are things that will help us to learn contentment just as Paul did. One of the clearest truths we can learn from this passage is this. God wants His people to be content. God wants His people to be content. Now some people have the idea that God wants... His people and everybody in the world to be depressed. You know, that He's the one with the rope pulling the pinata away so that you can't get happiness, so that you can't get what you want. Now, maybe by the looks on some of your faces, that's what you think. But this is clear. Paul says that God wants His people to be content. It's all throughout Scripture, really. The Old Testament and the New Testament talks about contentment. In another place, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12.10, For the sake of Christ, then, I am content. For the sake of Christ, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now, contentment doesn't mean that we're complacent. It doesn't mean we're fine with the sin that is in our lives. It doesn't mean we don't want to grow anymore, right? The whole book of Philippians has been, press on for the sake of the gospel. Keep striving. Contentment, though, is to have a deep satisfaction. A deep satisfaction. A joy in your heart because we know that God is in control and that He is good. That we are trusting in Him. But there's a problem, right? God wants us to be content, but we're not. We are not content. Even us Christians, we struggle 
with joy in our day-to-day lives. Let's take a poll, and you can be completely honest. How many of you would say that in some area of your life, you are not full of joy, that you are not content? There's a few of you, okay, most of you. You're not content. We struggle with this. Contentment doesn't come naturally to us. The Baptist Catechism says man's chief end, his chief purpose, is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Did you get that second part? To enjoy God. We know we're supposed to glorify God, but did you know that God also commands us to enjoy Him? So so when we lack joy, When we lack contentment in who God is for us, it's not just a bad feeling, it's actually a sin. We're not fulfilling this purpose for which we were created. Because of this sin, we deserve God's wrath, His anger, His punishment. We have enjoyed the things of this world rather than the giver of these things. We've enjoyed anything and everything except God. God sent Jesus into the world to save depressed sinners like us. Sinners like us who long for for material things that will give us pleasure and joy. Jesus is the bread of life that has come down from heaven and fulfills everyone, satisfies everyone who eats of Him. He is the, the living water that satisfies the thirst of the driest soul. And He has come to pay for our sins of taking satisfaction in other things. And if we turn away from our sins and trust in Him, He will forgive us and then give us this joy, this contentment in Him alone rather than in the things of this earth. If you haven't done that, if you haven't turned away from your sin and trusted in Jesus, I invite you to to come and talk to me later. No, this is important. God is stirring in your heart, so don't pass up this chance to get right with Him. Contentment doesn't come naturally to us. Which brings us to another truth from this passage. Contentment is something that must be learned. Contentment is something that must be learned. Look at verse 11. What does Paul say in verse 11? I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance I am. And in verse 12, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret to contentment. This should be a great encouragement to all of us who struggle with contentment. To all of you who raised your hand and said, yes, I lack joy in some area of my life. This is a content. This is an encouragement. The great Paul, the one who wrote much of our New Testament, he had to learn contentment. Sure, when he became a Christian... The Lord filled his soul with joy, but but even then he struggled and he sinned and he lacked joy. And so he had to learn contentment. You can learn contentment in whatever circumstance you're in. So brothers and sisters, cry out to God for joy. Cry out to God for contentment. To teach you contentment. Spend time with others who have learned this secret so, so that you might learn from them as well. Now there are people, people who aren't Christians, that appear to be content. Or at least they think they are. Maybe, maybe you're pretty content. You think, 
well, this sermon doesn't apply to me all that much. I'm, I'm pretty happy with my life. Things have gone pretty well. Think about this. Some people are content because of the things that they have rather than because of who God is for them. Some people are content because they have everything that they need and everything they could ever want. Their contentment are in the things of this world, but not in Christ. They're not happy in Christ. They're just happy in their stuff. Now, I don't play the lottery, and I hope you don't either. It's a big waste of money. But every one of us has probably thought about what it would like to win the lottery, right? Have you thought of that? What would you do if you had that much, if you had $50 million? You know, what would you do? Well, I'd pay off my house, right? I'd pay off the houses of all my family members. I'd, I'd give a lot, of, I'd pay off Mike's mortgage too. I'd give, you know, a lot of it away. There's, it seems like there's nothing you couldn't do with that amount of money. You'd have everything you need. You'd have everything you want with plenty to spare. That would be great, right? Life would be great, right? But then where would our contentment be? Where would our joy be? Wouldn't we begin to put all of our pride in ourselves? In our money and the things that we have? Wouldn't we, wouldn't we tend to forget that we needed God? That we were dependent upon Him for everything? Paul warns us about this in 1 Timothy. He says, There is great gain in godliness with contentment. For we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, listen to that. If we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and been pierced themselves with many pangs. Did you hear the danger of desiring to be rich? Do we not see that the desire for riches is ultimately a desire for destruction? God has really been merciful to a lot of us to not give us what our sinful desires want. He has been merciful to us. See, there are two different sorts of contentment. There is contentment that is based completely on having everything that you need and having your life go well. And then there's another contentment. That is totally unrelated to circumstances. Test your contentedness. Test yourself. What if everything you had was gone? What if this morning while you're here at church, your house burnt down and everything in it, every single one of your possessions was in your house? It was all gone in a moment. What if you became homeless and lived on the street? What if you had to beg for food every day and you only got to eat every other day? Then would you have joy? Then would you have contentment in your heart? Some people are just content because they have everything they need or everything they want. If you take it all away, it's gone. And their contentment is gone too. The contentment Paul is talking about doesn't depend on our outward circumstances. Look again at what Paul says. I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance I am. 
I know how to get along with humble means. And I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. So Paul's contentment was not that he had everything he needed. It was in spite of the fact that he didn't have what he needed. Friends, when will we realize the reason we're not happy or the reason we lack joy is not because we don't have everything we want or need? Money will not solve your discontentment. It's because we have put our joy in the wrong things. Put your hope in Christ. Put your joy in Christ. And then you will have this kind of unshakable contentment. I've seen true poverty firsthand. In Africa, when uh, children are going through the trash piles, trying to find something to eat. I've seen it in um, the Philippines, when young pastors would live in one-room church buildings. Their clothes would be hanging in the sanctuary of the church building. They, hadn't, they couldn't afford a home of their own. Their wives and kids stayed with them in that one-room church building. And I, re- I remember talking to one of the pastors about the wealth of America. I remember him saying something like, we don't have much, but we actually see our poverty as a blessing. Get your mind ar- around those words. We actually see our poverty as a blessing. We've seen how wealth, the wealth of America has turned some pastors and some Christians away from God and dependence upon God. In a way, we consider our poverty to be a blessing because then we will never forget that everything we need comes from God. We'll never forget that our dependence is completely on God and not on ourselves. A man like this, a man who is content in the midst of poverty, it's like a lush garden in the midst of a desert. He has, he has put his roots deep down into Jesus Christ And his joy continues despite the barrenness around him. He's filled to the brim with joy because Jesus is his joy. This is the true contentment that God wants for his people. Not shaken by circumstances. Not taken away when you take away stuff. It's deeper than that. It's it's joy in Christ. It's lasting And we can grow in it. We can grow in contentment if we know where it comes from. If we know the secret. And here's what Paul says it is. In verse 13. This is the secret to contentment. I can do all things through Him. That's Christ. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. This, friends, is the secret to contentment. And here's what I think it means. The secret to contentment is depending on wholly upon Christ and the strength that He provides. Depending wholly on Christ and the strength that He provides. This verse is a very popular one. Perhaps all of you know it by heart. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But often it's taken out of its context and misused. By itself, it could mean I have the ability to do anything I want because Jesus is the one who gives me strength. Now is that true? I like to tell my wife that if I had wanted to, I I could have made it in the NBA. Why why are you laughing? I tell her I I wouldn't want to move so far away. It would be hard on the family. 
But do you think I really could do anything because Jesus is the one who strengthens me? Go to the NBA? This is not what Paul has in mind. Look at the context. That means what's in front of the verse and what's behind the verse, what's around the verse. And here, Paul is talking about contentment. Going through difficult times, being content in the midst of poverty and hunger. In this context, Paul says, I can do all things. I can go through anything. Anything you've got to throw at me, Satan, as Job went through. Anything, I can endure it, not because of my own strength, but because of the strength that is mine in Christ Jesus. I'm depending on Him. The strength of Jesus Christ is sufficient. To help you learn contentment. No matter what you're going through. I read to you earlier from a verse in 2 Corinthians 12. But I didn't give you the full context. The full scoop. It's the context of Paul's thorn in the flesh. Do you remember that? Paul said he was given this thorn in the flesh. This messenger of Satan. To keep him from becoming proud. Because of all that he had seen and done. And he says. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this. That it should leave me. But the Lord said to me. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest in me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That's what it means. To say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am weak, but He is strong. I can't endure these circumstances, but Christ can through me. He's everything I need. But we also need to be aware of some enemies of contentment. Ungratefulness. Envy. Greed. Covetousness. And maybe the biggest enemy of contentment there is complaining. Grumbling. There's a saying I read this week that goes something like this. I used to complain that I had no shoes until I met a man with no feet. I used to complain about my closet full of unfashionable clothes until I met a man who was dressed in rags. I used to complain about how I couldn't eat out much until I met a man who ate only every other day. I used to complain about my old house until I met a man living in a tent in the woods. Friends, complaining is an enemy of contentment. You're wondering why you're not content? Take a look at the words that you use day in and day out. It's a sin that we must put to death. Instead, as Paul says, we must be thankful. As he says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Jesus Christ. This is God's will for you. Not that you complain, but that you give thanks. That's where contentment will be found. When you believe in the sovereignty of God and the goodness of God, that He is control and that He's working for you, Christian, then you will begin to have this joy, this contentment. So maybe you're not content with the way things are in your family or with your children. Things just don't seem to be going right. You just wish they would do right and then you'd be happy. But contentment 
says, I know that God is in control of even this circumstance. And I know that He's good and He wants to teach me something even in this circumstance. So, so what might He be trying to teach me in this situation? What might He want to be growing me in my life, in my holiness? Does He want me to be more persistent in my prayer for my children? Does He want me to grow as a Christian parent? Discontentment says, get me out of this situation. Contentment says, Lord, teach me in this situation. Make me love you more. Make me more like Jesus through this. Or maybe you feel discontent because you don't have as much stuff as you want. You struggle to pay the bills. You struggle to make ends meet. And you think if I could just make more money or get a better job, then I would be happy. But what does the Lord want to teach you in this situation? He's in control, He's good, and He wants to use this to help you have joy in the midst of difficulty. So just take a breath and pray, Lord, what are you trying to teach me? In what area do I need to grow? What would you have me learn at this point and in this circumstance in my life? In the late 1800s, there was a man named Horatio Spafford, a Christian, a supporter of the great preacher D.L. Moody. And during his life, he knew what it was like to live in difficult circumstances. He knew what it was like to have pain in his life. When his son was just four years old, he got the scarlet fever and died. I have a four-year-old son. I can't imagine the pain that he must have felt at that. But it got worse for him. He decided to go on a vacation with his family over to England. Just get away from it all for a little while to, to relax a little bit. But a business matter came up and he had to stay behind while his wife and four daughters went ahead of him. After several days, he received a telegram from his wife with just the simple words, saved alone. The ship they had been traveling on collided with another ship. Over 200 people died, including his four little daughters. His four daughters died, but his wife miraculously survived on a part of a boat that had broken off. Heartbroken and full of sorrow, Spafford booked a trip to England, got on a ship, and as they came to the place where his daughters laid at the bottom of the ocean, Horatio Spafford wrote these words. When peace like a river attendeth my way. When sorrows like sea billows roll. Whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. Friends, where is your contentment? If your joy is in your circumstances, then one day it will be taken away. It will be gone. But if your joy is in Jesus Christ... When the tidal waves of sorrow or pain or trial or difficult circumstances come over you, you'll be able to sing that song. You'll be able to sing, it is well with my soul because Jesus is everything I need. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we ask... That in your graciousness you would forgive us for our lack of joy and contentment. 
Forgive us for not glorifying you and enjoying you as we ought. Forgive us for letting our circumstances take our joy away from you. And we pray that you would help us to turn our eyes to Jesus. Turn our eyes to Jesus, our Savior, who died on the cross for our sins and gives us grace that we might be strengthened to find peace and joy in all of life's circumstances. Father, draw our eyes to Jesus that all our hope, all our joy, all our contentment would be in Him. In His name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing. Pray that our hearts would be moved to repentance if we see areas of sin that we need to change. If you need to stay where you are in prayer,